was running out about a 20% walk rate after roughly the first month or so, and things are beginning to normalize. That's to be expected. Now, when you talk about a pitcher who's going to throw roughly 90 pitches, this long at bat for France could pay dividends later on. When I think about that over a, roughly a six month stretch of time. You're talking 190, 200 days. 25 days in his own bed. Uh, I mean, by far the most perplexing is what has roughly been a power outage and uh, up and down our lineup. We have, and we just haven't done that this year. And I, I wish I could tell you why, but it's, you know, it's roughly up and down the lineup with almost every hitter out there. And it doesn't always go as smooth as, you know, roughly 25, 30 starts of, of George Kirby's major league career. And roughly all of your offensive players are looking in the mirror, trying to figure out what they can do to get their season going. Yeah, I, there's this is the same manager who's finished, you know, in the top three in manager of the year for the last two years. <laughs> you know, it's a, with roughly the same group of players that he has today. You know, roughly 80% of the production in, in major leagues today comes from players that were acquired via the draft, developed, or traded for and added to a core you know we pulled one out there and it's a roughly we had three good at bats in the game and we were able to manage that because uh, but roughly it's the same programs that that most of these players thrived with a year ago and you know i i, I don't know a way to say it other than we're going through you know uh, roughly the sophomore struggle and when i say sophomore struggle welcome everyone to the illustrious return of Roughly a podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Boyd, joined by my co-host, Phil Smeraldo. This is the podcast where we talk about a baseball team that is absolutely fucking maddening. And I get, they so suck. I get, <laughs> they suck. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah. It, Steve Sandmeyer had it right yesterday on his Twitter account when he said, like, I have watched, this is Steve saying this, I have watched a middle infield double play combo of Unieski, Betancourt, and Jose Lopez and some of the worst baseball you've ever imagined this is worse somehow it is somehow this i was actually going to send something to you along this effect like we love baseball right i've loved baseball my entire life we have sat through some truly truly awful mariners teams i don't know why but watching this team is way way worse and this is by by no means is this a bad team i don't even think i bet the mariners let me just preface this with this the mariners will probably end up above 500 this year but for some reason, some way, somehow, this feels like the worst Mariners team I've ever watched. And I think it has something to do with the strikeouts, which we'll talk more about in detail yeah. uh, of just like, there's just a lot of awful innings, like just yeah. awful, like three straight at-bats that like make you want to like hire a local crow to have it peck your eyes out. It's so... I have this thing, you know, obviously I, I everyone knows I work a lot during the games right but mm -hmm. any night as, as, as a sex worker that that yes prohibits you yes but any night where i'm free like i will 100 percent watch the mariners like any night where i'm not at work that is what i'm looking forward to going home and doing like i'm you know i get make some dinner and i'm like yes i get to watch the mariners and just like tune out for a couple hours and just enjoy baseball i have found over the last couple of weeks on those nights when I do get home in time to watch the Mariners, I have actively decided not to. 
Yeah. And that is a really sad statement coming from somebody like me who is about as much of a baseball fanatic as you can get. I choose to not watch the Mariners on nights time free. That's I mean, to, a pretty damning statement. We pro- probably should have said that, like, you know, it has been roughly a month since we have podcasted both you and I at the same time. Part of it was schedules and being busy and, and things coming up. But part of it is just like the the first week. At, so my brother uh, ran his uh, charity gala. the last time I saw Phil is the first week of June. And coming off of that week, I just didn't have it in me. I kind of needed a break no. from, from baseball a little bit. And from a lot that of was things. after the Texas. That was after the Texas series too, when they just got <laughs> smoked. Yes, and so it it was just like nah, not the time. And then just like it it was kind of hard to summon the energy. And here we are after these two Yankee games, where like goddamn, if the energy's not here, or like the fact that we're here right now is kind of a miracle, considering we don't and, get paid. We don't get paid to talk about this shitty team. And, and the Marlins series was good, and they looked like a good team during that Marlins series. And then it just goes right back to this this i don't understand i'm gonna jump ahead to something that i wanted to talk about later but it's very probable that the legacy of this of the 2023 mariners is the team that played with their food too much and just ran out of time and it it started with the beginning of the year with the offseason playing with their food and, and being too cute with the signings and not 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 going harder with the type of player that they were bringing in and then other things, the 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 one run games, the blowing rubber matches, and the losing mm-hmm. sweep opportunities of like there is meat on the bone. If this team could have just finished out series, they should have swept the White Sox, they should have swept the Marlins, and they should have beat the Angels in that rubber match. And if you do all of those things, like we're a game over five hundred right now. And like yeah. yeah, it's two two shitty Yankee games, but they just they just can't get over the last twenty percent. And that's the thing, like how many, I, I don't know, I don't know offhand, but they must be well, well under 500 in the last game of the series, whether that's, yeah, a, that whether that's a rubber match or going for a sweep, mm-hmm. they must be well under 500 in those games. I had that stat the last time I did a solo pod, which had been late in June. And yeah, it's only gotten worse since then. Yeah. So yeah, it's, no, it's, it's been bad and we'll get into it, but it's been, it's just been a very unenjoyable team. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's unenjoyable because the at-bats are so pathetic. It's, it's, and, you know, I saw that the 2019 Mariners have struck out or, or we're on, we are on pace to strike out less than that 2019 Mariners team. But I don't know why the 2019 Mariners team was kind of fun to watch in a way. Like, I, obviously, everyone remembers. snacks, dog. Yeah, the 13-2 and two start was really fun. And everyone's like, oh, my God, is this, uh, is this something? And then, obviously, it wasn't something. But there was still a lot of like interesting things happening. I think at that point, you know, Mitch Hanniger was, was, was he hurt that year? I can't remember. 18 was I mean, his, 18 was his great year was 2018. Okay. And I think he was hurt in 19. Yeah. But there were some interesting things going on in that 19 season. I think that was, um, no, that wasn't the Austin Nola year. That was JP Crawford's first year. JP um, Crawford. You got Tim Beckham. Remember Tim Beckham? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, but but like there's the thing and you of, had like you say you you were wondering, oh, like you say Kikuchi, this guy might be like legit. And, you know, I think that was also the first year of Chris Flexen where you're like, oh, I wonder if Chris Flexen's going to be good. And everything was like kind of fresh and new and they would just started this rebuild. And like you're looking towards the future. And this year it's just been depressing because this is in there. They're in their window. 
it's like the the Twitter thing when you start with one set of letters and then like you kind of start changing them, changing them, changing them, and then it becomes the other thing. It's like Domingo Santana to Teoscar Hernandez. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> like there's a lot of, not a lot of like Teoscar is a much better player, but just like, yeah, it's like, God, back then it was this bunch of shitheads striking out at everything. It's like, whatever, I don't care. But this is the team that was supposed to figure it out and, and do things. It's so expectations just make everything more ouchy. So yeah. In this podcast, we'll recap everything that's happened um, or thereabouts in the last month of Mariners baseball. We will get into just three kind of general notices that Phil and I have had over the last month. And then we will uh, have some news for you as a recurring segment on this podcast has been drastically altered by by uh, an act of God, I think is the best way to describe it. So we will talk before about we that. get into all of that. Can I read you a tweet that just popped up? Um, Jerry Depoto resigns as no, what is it? Well, yeah, that you're not, I mean, it's not that, but it's kind of juicy like that. So, this is from John Morosi, who is like, I would say he's not like the top tier kind he's of, not passive. Guy, but he is pretty well connected with the Mariners, like, he knows what's going on with the Mariners. He tends to have an ear to the ground with or somebody in the, in the organization. This is the tweet that he just sent out. The Mariners have young pitchers. The Cardinals have young hitters. Sources say they have had a dialogue about trade concepts at various points. To be clear, the talks have not progressed, but the fit is obvious. So let's stay tuned. Ah. Jordan Walker for Brian Wu. That's okay. So it's something along those lines, right? Or Nolan Gorman or some, some someone like that for Matt Brash, Brian Wu, Bryce Miller, something like that. Yeah. It's, uh, does, that, does that seem to make sense? I think like we're, we are way off script and i'm totally okay with that because the like the 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 idea of the mariners being like you know a luis castillo away from from making a run this year i don't think he's on the table right now and, no and might no. not be on the table by the end of july and so if they're going to make a trade it kind of has to be to dip from their surplus which is pitching and to bring in something that resembles a uh young hitting prospect that that is with with like a track record because that's that's the only thing that they just that's the complete blind spot in the organization right now a second baseman would be good i mean who knows we have i guess we're going to talk about one of our second basemen but i don't know who knows anyway we'll get you (laughs) so let's let's do this win loss wise since we last spoke the mariners uh had six games against the yankees and rangers that was late may early june they lost five of those by a combined score of 50 to 16. That's the uh, the just disgusting series against the Rangers that Phil was mentioning earlier. They split the two-game series against the Padres. There was another one where they could have swept, but blew it in that second game. I think that was the mm-hmm. Logan Gilbert no-show game. They lost a rubber match against the Angels. Um, then they blew a chance to sweep against the Marlins. So that's three in a row of exactly what we're talking about, of them having a chance to close out a series on a win and win the series or sweep it and didn't. And then they did the exact same, or they lost one of, sorry, they, they beat the White Sox, but it was, uh, they won that last game against Lance Lynn, but Lance Lynn struck out 16 Mariners in that, 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 that game. And then they've lost the first two games in miserable fashion to a shell of a Yankees team um, in the, over the last two days. So yes, we were recording before game three of the Yankee series is uh, about to, it's about to start here in about 40 minutes. Currently, the M's are four and a half games back of the third wild card spot behind four teams. 
And it feels pretty dour, but then I remind myself that, yeah, this was this was the nadir last year, too. Like, this exact moment in time, my birthday, June 19th, uh, was the winning one of five games against the Angels series. So, like, the, the, the ability for them to turn it around is there, and that team was 10 games under 500. This one is, what, two? And yeah. So, you know, apples to apples, it's it's still there, but God, it just feels so, so yeah, and, and We also can't bank on a 14 game winning streak exactly. like last year. It's just not going to happen again. But I don't know. You're right that it's, you know, there's so much time left, but it feels like it's getting pretty late. Yeah. Yeah. The bar is about to close here. Um, and others... even, even DePoto on his uh, on his weekly on his weekly segment this I think this week. And, you know, he's always Mr sunny side although he has been discernibly less sunny i think he's been drinking before this yeah but he 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 has even alluded to the fact like multiple times throughout the last couple weeks like i really i think we're going to turn this around but i really hope we haven't dug too deep of a hole you Mm -hmm. know what i mean so it's it's not every loss is a loss whether it happens now or it happens in august or it happens in september every loss counts the same and they are digging a hole other stuff, Dylan Moore is back, had a home run last night. Mike Ford is also on the team. Taylor Tramiel has been sent down Yeah, uh, when Mike Ford held the franchise hostage for a little bit there. That was fun. Brian Wu is here um, in place of Marco Gonzalez, who is on the IL right now. Uh, we'll talk about Brian Wu very shortly. Andres Munoz is here, and he is very back. And J.P. Crawford is hurt. Unclear how badly, but he had a shoulder contusion in game one against the Yankees and had to leave that game. He is so. on the field today, taking um, taking – throws so that's good news it looks like he is going to avoid any sort of il time so that is good news that is great news because uh the the wong caballero middle infield is uh is just so depressing it's something so we each have three things that we want to talk about Uh, a couple players to to spotlight and uh, a couple just themes that i I think we have one bit of overlap here so would you like to start uh why don't you start with the wu train um to get us off on a positive note yeah, I mean, on a positive note, I'm pretty sure Brian Wu is better than Bryce Miller. Obviously, the underlying stats, I think his ERA is something in the sevens. He got, but... he got, he got Texas in the first game. Yeah, he that, got Texas. That, yeah. That, so he's had three starts. The other two have been very good. I would say the Angels start, while the numbers didn't look amazing or anything, it was four and two-thirds innings and two turned. Um, the White Sox game, he actually put a line together like a uh, – how do you say like a non-peripheral line, like a, a, a common conventional stat line convention. Yeah. yeah. He put, there we go. That's what I was looking for. He put together the conventional stat line, a, a simple line. How about that? Yes. But underlying all of this, the um, peripheral numbers have also just looked amazing. There's one pitch that has not bared out well, but he's only thrown it five times. It's the curveball. He has an ex-woba of like 600 on that, but you, you have to throw that out just because he's only thrown the curveball five times. But the four-seam fastball, the sinker, and the slider all have what could be considered above-average to elite uh, expected Wobas. And he's actually gotten a little bit unlucky on all three of those pitches. I think, again, a lot of that has to do with that one Texas game. But if we're looking at kind of trying to find bigger samples, uh, you have to look at individual pitches because he's thrown about 500, or not even 500, he's thrown about 300 pitches so far. Um. 
what we're seeing with the four seamer and the curveball, or excuse me, the four seamer, the slider, and the sinker, and to some extent the changeup as well, is that all of those per- pitches are performing at above average to elite levels, which gives him again discernibly larger repertoire than Bryce Miller, who is by all accounts just fastball slider, and he will mix in a change every once in a while. So Brian Wu's repertoire looks really good. Um, the conventional stat line obviously is going to be wonky for a while because he did get shelled in Texas. But what is going on underneath the hood is looking very promising. Yeah, a lot of sliders, actually, just thinking about the the Bryce Miller playbook, which was, you know, just dump fastballs everywhere. The fact that he mm-hmm. still has 20 percent of his pitches being sliders um, is is interesting that he was allowed to do that in a way that, that Bryce Miller kind of wasn't with his secondaries. Two walks through 12 plus innings for Brian Wu, I think is great. And just another yep. another walk avoidant guy coming through the organization is no surprise. Um, so and- with Miller, with Miller, there was that concern with the walks just because in his time in the minor leagues, he had shown a little propensity to get wild. There had never been such a concern about Wu in terms of the walks. I think there's always concern with young pitching prospects just about control versus command. Um we haven't seen him enough yet to understand really where he is at on terms of control versus command, how much of his avoidance of walks is just throwing pitches in the middle of the zone versus how much of it is actually dotting spots. Mm-hmm. Um, we will start to see that play out as he gets a larger sample. And tonight will be just another kind of uh, another assessment, essentially. Yeah. Yeah, and I he has a little Logan in his game with the extension, and I think like mm-hmm. and, and I mean that in a, in a couple of ways of just like because you can do that in the angle that you're coming at hitters, you can challenge them a little bit, and you can be okay with hard contact because it's not the killer kind, and uh, there's a little bit of that baked into his game. And if you're gonna not walk guys, you kind of have to be okay with that that risk. So yeah, it's been fun, but I mean the strikeout numbers like the stuff. It's 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 cool. He's another cool guy to to watch who seems to be getting better um, from from start to start. And hopefully he's still with the Mariners. That Morosi tweet kind of scared <laughs> me because he would be like one of those guys who now. And again, this is why these top hundred prospect lists. I, I I say this you know humbly because these people put so much time and effort into these top hundred prospect lists. But I tend to think I tend to put more weight on. And of course, general managers are always going to put the rosiest assessment on their farm and say, well, we think we like our guys more than the national media outlets do. But there had been so much chatter about Brian Wu. Right. And we had heard it from multiple sources throughout his time. He never made a top hundred list. But realistically, if he had gotten in front of some of this national media stuff and he had stayed in the minors a little longer he would have been in that 30 40 50 range in the top 100 list i don't think either of us disagree with that right yeah it seemed like it and i think bryce miller much the same way like if he didn't get called up in in, in, as early as he did in this season um basically robbie ray (laughs) kind of uh saved both the er Robbie Ray cost these guys in prospect rankings, which doesn't mean anything to either of them. Yeah, but, it doesn't it doesn't matter. But but it, it catalyzed this um, this this you know uh, cascade of guys coming in, which is so funny because we definitely talked about that many times. Of like, this is not the the five man rotation is not going to to hold up as it did last year, and look where we are now, where Chris Flexen is nowhere to be found, and we're talking about Brian Wu, who honestly th- there's a reality out there where he doesn't hit the majors until like September of this year, but shit happens. Yes. 
And honestly, the pitching depth was a concern coming into the season because you had Chris Flexen right, but you didn't really know and you didn't really know what you had beyond that. Uh, Bryce Miller and Brian Wu have been complete revelations just coming in and, and turning into above average major league pitchers. It's yeah. it's been something that you cannot take for granted. That does not happen with every organization. Most organizations are running right now Chris Flexen and Tommy Malone out there. But the Mariners' propensity to develop uh, these these kids, Bryce Miller, a fourth-round pick, Brian Wu, a sixth-round pick. Um, and then you have more coming through the system that are, are lower-round picks. You can you have a ton of these young guys that are, are looking that way. Uh, we can go through names on the next podcast, but there are more coming that look similar in, in mold and in nature to these two. So it's, if we're, if we're going to talk about something nice, that is, that has been a really nice development of this season. The four organizations that can turn out good young pitching consistently. I feel the, the Rays, okay, the guardians, yep, the Mariners, yep. Whatever team the Mariners are playing in 2023. Oh, that's very good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was because, thinking about that uh, you'd want to play at the mariners if you were going into like an arb season like you would just want to pitch only against us yeah exactly like, your strikeout numbers would be so inflated and i know the arb guys like love strikeouts and stuff yeah. like that so like yeah you'd want to pitch against us lance Lynn has been like comatose this year and 16 strikeouts <laughs> all of a sudden awesome oh, yeah. Speaking of strikeouts, um, although this is another semi-positive, although when I did the notes for this guy a couple of days ago, it was looking better than it do- does just two games later. But we're talking about still some good. Teoscar Hernandez has had a, um, I did have very good June. I think now it's pretty good June. He's hitting mm-hmm. 305 with a WRC plus of 153, has seven walks drawn in 16 June games. He had six drawn in 28 May games. His chase rate has uh, was 38% and 37% in April and May. That's down to just under 27% in June. That's like going from the top, aka bottom 10 in baseball of strike of chase rate to now the bottom like 100 or so in baseball. So he's cut back on the chase rate a lot. Uh, his hard hit rate is up in June. X stats are all up. I, I like his defense. He's 51st in major league baseball and outs above average, but just some of the plays even he made last night, I know he's had a couple, like his bad plays are just bad. Like he's had yes. a couple, couple, like not one of them was a truly gate. Remember that one early in the season was it truly, against the guardians. The, yes. the one that he, if he had caught that ball, the game's over. Yes, that was a game losing play. The other night was uh, a contributing to a lost play, but sometimes he makes very good plays, and that's just kind of the Teoscar Hernandez experience. He's 51st in MLB uh, in outs above average right now. He's never ranked higher than 118th, so this is his best defensive outfield season. And I'm wondering if uh, we talked about the E word of couple, like literally a month ago with Jared Kelenic. Like, I don't think right now is a good enough. The example or sample of Teoscar Hernandez, but how do you feel about the possibility of an extension with Teoscar Hernandez as it stands right now? Negative. And I'll tell you why I feel negative about the Teoscar Hernandez extension. Guys with his profile tend to age extremely poorly. The guys, and you've made a, a good case as to, you know, he's cut down on the swing and miss. He's cut down on the chase but he's still not particularly good at either of those skills, right? As you age, you have to have the only guys who stay around in their thirties are guys with above average 
plate discipline because you start losing a little bit of that um, pop. You start losing a little bit of that swing speed. And what you have to rely on is swinging at great pitches because you can no longer just make up for hitting poor pitches with uh, just elite speed. You have to swing at the right pitches. Teoscar is not a guy who is particularly good at swinging at the right pitches. So I think he is definitely a non-extension candidate, and I think the front office knows that. Which is odd because this is the type of guy that trade for is, is the extension eligible guy. It's like mm-hmm. the, the, the Luis Castillo, you know, like that's, that's the player they have in mind. And so I don't, you're absolutely right. I don't know what their appetite was, unless it was just like, Hey, we get, we know we can build another Eric Swanson out of like discarded sunflower seeds. And they've proven that they can do and that. They and they have. Yeah. Yeah. And so flipping that for, for, uh, you know, a starting outfielder is, is just good business and they don't care about the extension. Um, that, <laughs> that could be it, but who knows? Um, Plus, I, I t- realistically, if Teoscar walks and gets a, gets the deal, um, the Mariners are going to get a pick out of that. So I think that's probably what they were looking at. If like worst case scenario, we don't want to re-sign him. We let him walk. Right. And we get the pick. So we're not leaving empty handed. We get a comp B pick. Yeah. Um, but yeah, just historically, if you look through the league, if you look at anybody who's contributed it past the age of 32, 33, they are all guys with above average discipline. And Teoscar just does not have that. Yeah. And doesn't really have an injury history. It's not like, you know, it's not a one-to-one with Hanniger where Hanniger, a lot of it, like has a similar profile when he plays, but he doesn't have the injury Mm -hmm. history. So yeah, I don't see the like three for 40 he makes 14 million this year um he'll be 31 by the end of this season i don't see like the the three for 45 deal coming from the mariners um somebody will do it because he'll be somebody great great dh or fourth outfielder for or third outfield for somebody but um i yeah (laughs) the idea the idea of the mariners being left to their own devices to try and find somebody as good as teoscar hernandez in free agency is is a little terrifying because that's how you end up with AJ Pollock and Colton Wong, but um, no, and the free agent crop of hitters next year is pretty much Shohei Otani, Teoscar Hernandez, and then (laughs) that's it. Yeah, so it's 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 rough, and I don't know what the long term solution is there because, and it might be Cardinals (laughs) prospect X is is what we have to look forward to. Yeah, it sounds like a lot of trick is in our future. Yeah, yeah, fun stuff. I think we both had the strikeouts and we talked about them at the top of the show. Let's, let's get into it. I have some numbers here to to kick us off. This is a historically bad strikeout team, not just like a bad for this year, but there's also the part of it that every season as we go on, it's just a a higher proclivity of strikeouts across the league. Since 2010 though, this 2023 Mariners 25.8% strikeout rate would rank top 10 all time. And this year's twins are on track for the highest strikeout rate ever. Um, Mm -hmm. So like we're we're in the era of of peak peak or peaking strikeouts. And this team is right at the top of that. I wish the twins hadn't traded Luis Arise because that guy never strikes out. Except when he plays the Mariners. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that might be the one that's the banner they hang this year is stumped, stumped Luis Arias for three games. Yeah. Um, But yes, you're right. I mean, it's just been, it's been horrible. I mean, the 2019 Mariners had 1,581 strikeouts. This team is on pace for 
1,578. So essentially the same as the 2019 Mariners who are what? They're sixth overall all time? I think so. Yeah. So uh, historically, they are going to be in the pantheon of, of bad strikeout teams. Five guys in I, the top 100 in strikeout rate on this year's this year's team among guys with 100 plus plate appearances. So that do, do you want to name all five? Let me see if I can guess. They're going to be Jared Kelnick. That's number one. Not hey, not, in, not in baseball, but among the Mariners. Yes, that's yeah. one one and two. Julio, five. Oh, he's only five. Okay. Uh, Suarez, three. Four. Who am I missing? Who's going to be number four? It's not Ty. It's not JP. It's not. Why is this not obvious to me? It's Dumper. It- is it dump? Okay, I was gonna say dumper, but he doesn't play enough to strike out that much. Yeah, hundred plus plate appearances though, and it's oh, just it's I, just strikeout rate. So oh, he's strikeout rate. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's it's rough, and 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 the thing is, like, this last year's team struck out a lot too, and this year's team doesn't walk as much as last year's team, but still walks a decent amount, and is a decent team in with runners in scoring position. Jerry DePoto talked about this in his 710 interview last week, and it's been abundant for, for quite a long time. This team just doesn't have the juice that last year's team does. And you can say that in a couple of ways, like heart, juice meaning heart, but just power. Like last year's team was averaging a full 0.15 home runs a game more than this year's team is. Uh, the ISO number, ISO power number was higher for last year's team than this year's team. It's not like last year's team was like the, the 97 Mariners or, or anything either, but they were near the top of the league, top 10 in the league in home runs. And when you don't have an on-base formula that's working, like the Mariners don't right now, and you can't hit home runs, how are you going to score? And that's that's what where this team ends up basically every game. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm just looking through these these numbers. It is appalling. Um, Okay, do you know who holds the the record for most strikeouts in a single season? Do you know off that off the top of your head? Like team or player? No, player. Mm. Hmm. Is it Adam Dunn? No, it's you're in that right era. Mark Reynolds in 2009. Ah, yeah. Uh, 223. Right. But we have three guys who could touch that record this year. I mean, no, excuse me. We have four guys who could touch that record. Jared Kelnick's on pace for 204 strikeouts. Teoscar Hernandez on pace for 215 strikeouts. And Eugenio Suarez and Julio are nipping on their heels, 197 and 190. So, like, we have four guys who are going to be vying for the all-time strikeout record this year. That is pathetic. So bad. And and it's – it's it's it, yeah, there, there's <laughs> – There's when, no good way to spin this. When, when the root camera – does not have to turn around to show you what happens at the end of that bat. <laughs> it's a tough watch, man. It's like, yeah. yeah, you know exactly what happened. There's no suspense. It's like, yeah, you can kind of tell that it was a weekly hit ball or a pop-up or something like that, but you kind of need the camera to show you when you strike out, you know exactly how that at bat ended. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's a, it's a viscerally unpleasant experience. And we've talked about this before of just like, yeah, the Garden Guardians are a terrible offense too, but they put balls in play, and like that's and it's at least a little bit more fun to watch. Yeah, and they're also like a penny pinching 
small market team relatively to what the Mariners could and should be, or kind of are, and even what they should be. So yeah, it's, it's, it's really not fun and they can't do the power. This team is a terrible sacrifice uh, team. How many sacrifice bunts do you think we have all year? Just raw number. Two. One. Yeah. I, 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 when I said two, I was immediately thinking it could be a hero. <laughs> yeah. I can't remember a single one off the top of my head. No. And I feel like that's baseball reference, just like missing something or like miscategorizing. Yeah. <laughs> and where do you think they rank in sack flies? They have to be close to the bottom. 25th. Yeah. So because, and I'll tell you that's, but that's all connected. We're, we're talking. Okay. Let's pretend we're doctors for a second. Right. Like you come to me with these symptoms. My team has a horrible sack fly rate. My team has, you know, X, Y, and Z. Those are all symptoms. The disease that we're trying to treat is this team fucking strikes out too much. And what is causing that disease? They don't swing at good pitches. They don't make contact when the, I mean, it sounds so trite and so elementary, but they swing at bad pitches. And when they swing at good pitches, they miss like that's, and that's a recipe for absolute disaster. Yeah. And it, and it, what makes it so much harder is, and I know for the front office too, it's just like you pound your chest over and over and over about control the zone, dominate the zone, you know, <laughs> do unspeakable things to the zone. Yeah. And, th- and then you have this shit and it's, it's, it's got to drive them fucking crazy to have their ethos get rubbed in their face over and over and over. I can't imagine watching a twins game like, and the twins are good. Like they're pretty well, good. They're, they're not ales, good. They're, they're ale central. Yeah. Good. Yeah. They're okay. They're probably about the same. Realistically, they're about the same talent wise as the Mariners right now. A, a, um, a, a twins Mariners series would go seven. Yes. Um, I can't imagine watching a Twins game right now because uh, watching the Mariners drives me nuts. The Twins are even more uh, of that. Who was the bit the giant uh, first baseman for the Twins a couple years ago who struck out too much, but he was back then he was still mashing. T.J. Crone, maybe. No, uh, he was a large. Was fella. he Dominican? Yeah, Twins first. Oh, Twins. Miguel Sano. Yes, they don't even have yeah. him anymore, and they're still leading this. The yeah, I know out. it's horrible. Yeah. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's got to change. Yeah, the strikeouts. I mean, can I go on to my third point here? Yeah, because maybe it's somebody a little better. Okay, so Jose Caballero mm. has been, and it's so funny because this is guy was a nobody at the beginning of the year. <laughs> he has been kind of like the poster boy for as, as much as the Mariners could have this year. No one's been like truly good at controlling the zone, but like Jose Caballero is the guy with very little power i think his max exit velocity is like in the 30th percentile something of that nature but he's still drawing walks which is so counterintuitive like you look at a guy like julio who has all of this massive power he has a lower walk rate than jose fucking caballero that is an indictment on julio rodriguez it's an indictment on anybody who has more power than jose caballero which is most of the team that they're just swinging at bad pitches. Jose Caballero is not somebody who threatens or intimidates pitchers, but he has been very good at swinging at the right pitches, and that is borne out in an almost 15% walk rate. There is no excuse for anybody who has more power than Jose Caballero to be running a 5 4 or 3% walk rate like Teoscar, Julio, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So Jose Caballero has been very much a pleasant surprise somebody whose defense has been very adequate. I, I can't, I can't tell you what Statcast says about it, but just from my eye, it's been 
adequate second base defense and enough patience to make the rest of the profile work. Didn't JP Crawford have a quote? I, I think it was this week or last week. Uh, maybe it was, I think it was after the White Sox loss of how the hitter should be in more control. Like, like the, the hitter is in control of, 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 you know, we're making life harder on ourselves because we're swinging at bad pitches. And, and that's, right. that's just, Again, it's it's so maddening because, you know, it's like if we know from the outside what the organization's ethos is, like, can you imagine how many how often uh, a, a A to Z Mariners prospect like Julio or basically Jared Kellenic has heard control the zone in their life? And and there I, I guess the message isn't sinking in. It's unbelievable or 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 their identification of pitches is is off but something something is broken in the communication change because we know what the message is but the the result is just it's just not there Maybe and we what need are to look at like their... how the arkansas travelers like is that team like leading the league in strikeouts because it, this this might be just a busted thing and what are they telling pitchers that it seems to be working so well that they're not telling their hitters because all these guys these kids are coming up and brian Wu, bryce miller both of them you know kind of these young live arms that generally when you see young live arm you think okay throws yeah. a fastball 98 miles an hour but doesn't know where it's going and both of these guys are controlling the zone i mean what what message is it that they're telling the pitchers that they're not telling the hitters or maybe they're just not as good at developing the hitters i I really don't know what it is I can say at this point, but the message to the hitters is broken. The hitters themselves are are broken. Everything about the hitting process with the Mariners right now is broken. Yeah, and it, it's it's so maddening because it's like you know if it. I think I've said maddening sixty t- times in this podcast, but it. But it's, it's a great word because it is a reflection it's, of of the of the reality here, it, and like you said it's the same message across both sides of it. And so if, if the, if pitchers were wild as hell, we were walking everybody, it's like, okay, this front office is just like, they, they, they don't get it or they get it, but they can't articulate it. They can articulate it on half of the system right now. Yeah. I, half, half the team, they're doing a great job and yeah. it's boring. And, and the I, I'm going to use your word. It's maddening because look, it works. Their, their message is a message that is grounded in reality. It's not a stupid message. No. If you control the strike zone, you will have success. We are seeing that play out with the pitchers. They are controlling the strike zone, and they are having success. It doesn't matter if they throw 92 or if they throw 98. If you get ahead of guys 01, 02, 1-2, even 2-2, you are going to be in a good position to put them away. The flip side is true for their hitters. If you are in a hitter's count, you are. it doesn't matter if you have 25th percent exit velocities or 50th or 75th, or if you are the best, if you're John Carlos Stanton and you have the high, hardest hit balls in baseball. If you are ahead 2-1, you're going to have success. And I, I, so it's a good message. It's a message that is based in reality and based in statistical data. It's just the hitters cannot get there for whatever reason. Every week we listen to the uh, Jerry Depoto interview on on Mike Salk's show on ESPN Seattle, whatever that or not even Seattle Sports, whatever that is, seven ten yeah. a.m. And every week he asks. He's a fairly good interview, but every week he asks a pretty fucking stupid question. And one of them was like to Jerry, like, do you, do you think that control the zone is a viable 
ethos and it's like of course it is because other yeah. teams do it <laughs> like yeah and other teams that have success are doing it yes the mariners like aren't aren't uh like they are they are there are 30 teams in baseball they are somewhere near the bottom in strikeout rate so yes other teams can do it and it is a viable thing like i just i couldn't believe the question if, uh, yes I mean, so it, this simple the, thing can work the jerry depoto equation is this equation strikeouts plus walks no it, what is it it's for your pitchers you want to have strikeouts minus walks be greater than strikeouts minus walks for your hitter so you want to have more good results on those outcomes for your pitching than you have bad results for your hitting does that i i, I hope i'm <laughs> articulating this this math right it, it it's whether whether we end up with a double negative in that equation or needed to put parentheses around something i'm not exactly sure but it's but but you yes. understand what i'm of, trying to say that's the jerry depoto equation you of the three true outcomes we're going to focus on two of them strikeouts and walks you want to have more good results for your pitchers and less bad results for your hitters that is the jerry depoto equation they kind of throw home runs out of there because by and large a lot of home runs are simply product of circumstance and not as repeatable right as strikeouts and walks those are those are pretty repeatable skill sets well and, and, and good counts is hittable pitchers and, and whether it's home runs or just you know balls into gaps like that's that's what comes when you're up at yes. three, three, one, three, oh, and counts but again if we, like i'm pretending we're doctors if we're trying to treat the symptom of what's ailing this offense it's strikeouts minus walks right you want more walks less strikeouts this team just cannot do that. And I, again, I'm not, uh, and you're not um, in the office. You're not, we're not Scott service. We're not seeing what's going on. We don't know why that is the case that they have become this way, but it, they are this way. And it's a, it's a huge, huge problem. And it's why we're seeing such a pathetic offense night in night out. You want uh, one more hit of terrible toxic negativity about, about the future of this team. Just one. Yeah. Okay. So, Including, uh, yeah, here I have my numbers right. The Mariners next 17 games before the All-Star break, which that's a whole other wrinkle of sad. Like, this is about to be yeah. a very sad All-Star game. It's going to be horrible. Yeah, I was thinking about that, too. So, of those 17 games before the break, 14 of them are against teams currently above 500. They have one more game against the Yankees, three against Baltimore, who is an absolute juggernaut right now. Then they play the Nationals, who they basically kind of have to sweep in this equation. Yeah. Because then, then they play the Tampa Bay Rays, who are also oh, the, other, the other juggernaut. And then San Francisco, who's sneaky seven or eight games over 500. And then four against Houston. It's like... It's not good. It could get really like if the Mariners are are at or even like where they are now around 500, that's a, that's kind of a, a miracle. That's a win. With, that's a with massive that, win yeah. with that schedule. So, and it could easily, easily get to five, six games under 500 uh, by, by the all-star break. And then it's super sad. You have uh, all this negativity around the franchise when the spotlight is on you and it could get real sad and dark if if we're there and i don't really see a path for the for the mariners to make the playoffs if they are heading into the all-star break six or seven games under 500 and then because the, the schedule remains absolutely brutal the rest of the year and here's the last 23 games that the mariners have 20 of them are against the uh dodgers angels rays rangers and astros oh good that that, that yeah. could be that could be like the mariners could be two games out to start that and then just get spanked in those games and that's it 
Yeah, they're not making the playoffs. We're not going to heaven. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> yeah, I, I I really hate to say it, but like something drastically has to change. And as they say on Twitter, we will not see heaven. <laughs> but yeah, better better start practicing your Chinese boys. Like that's 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 what we're working with here. And okay, so much can change, you know. And and again, you have alluded to this in the past um, couple of episodes, and in this this episode as well. At this point last year, we were ten games under five hundred. Um, again, a lot can change. The Angels can do their Angels thing and shit the bed, which they probably will. To be honest, um, isn't the you best know, case scenario though that they shit the bed like starting August first? Yeah, yeah. Yes, totally. Yes. Mm-hmm. That that would be good. That would be and I'm assuming you're alluding to like trade deadline. Yes, Otani. You want him to hold on to Otani, yep. shit the bed, Otani leaves. I that would be obviously the dream scenario. Mm-hmm. Um but, you know, yeah, I who knows, but it it like you said as we're standing right now, it it does not look good. It's like it's like in blackjack, right? Where you have a 16 and the, the dealer has a 10 showing, right? Yeah, you could hit and get the five and the dealer could be have show a five underneath or whatever. Now, it could all win, end up good and you could win money. But the odds are against the Mariners right now. And especially if they continue to play this way, they're going to be out of it faster than 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 you think. Yeah, and it's not just like a come on, Julio. Like God, if it was, it's it's so many guys. Would, it's would have, everybody, would and that's what Chipotle said, and and that was the probably the most salient point that he made. Uh, Salk, I think, asked him about trade deadline acquisitions, and he was very honest and very blunt. He was like, he said, like we're not one player away; we are twenty six players away right now. Like everybody has to commit to to turning this thing around because I think the the quote that got all the attention was prime Babe Ruth wouldn't help us out right now, but he's absolutely right when he says that because baseball is not basketball where you put a LeBron James or whoever on the team. And all of a sudden you're a playoff contender. It is 26 guys top to bottom that have to get better for the Mariners right now. Yeah. And there's uh speaking of Otani and prime Babe Ruth, there's the other part too, of just like, what have you, even if you thought you were in the Otani sweepstakes, like does this season help your cause at all? No, like the, no, it's, it's hard. I know, I know the Mariners skew younger on, uh, as a roster for, you know, for, and, and a lot of their guys are very young, but it's hard to not like this, this, this is, this isn't just like a blip on their, like, Oh yeah. Uh, their Ascension train because the Orioles are still are scary as hell. The the Rays are scary as hell. The Astros aren't going anywhere. Now the Angels are are up and coming. The the Rangers. Uh, are... the Astros might be going somewhere. They're not the Astros, really. I still just don't think that like the Mariners are still you know one of the top three brightest futures in baseball. And then no. this is just a blip. Like it, it no. Look look at what happened but, with the with the White Sox. The White Sox were uh, impending like an impending dynasty 24 months ago and yep. now we're now we're like the the bottom of the AL Central. Like they, and they're looking to break the whole deal down. Yeah. Yeah, they, no, this totally. this this shit can crumble in our hands. And 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 the the true travesty of this year I think is not capitalizing more on the momentum that we had as a franchise um and, and you know with with the opportunity to host the All-Star game and this team could have been 
you know, one of the best teams in baseball. Now, and here you here we the, are instead. You said the White Sox, and I want to actually bring up a point about the White Sox. And this goes kind of against uh, a little bit of the narrative, but you talk about a team like the White Sox. If the White Sox went out and got Trey Turner, uh, who I don't know who's been good, Marcus Simeon, Corey Seager, no, whatever. Trey, they Trey got Turner that, has not been good, but yeah. Yeah, no, okay, yeah. So you you understand what I'm saying. Sure. If they went out and got one of those really good free agents, are the White Sox discernibly better than what they are now? No, not really. And again, it comes down to like all of the White Sox guys who they thought were these guys, Joan Mancato, Luis Robert, Eloy Jimenez, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, Michael Kopech. They did not uh, continue their ascent into what they thought they were going to be. And that's really a really scary story for the Mariners because if Julio tops out at a four-win player and that first season was just kind of him catching lightning in a bottle. Yeah. He's still a great player and four wins, even with the contract he has is still a valuable player. And if Jared Kelnick is more of like the Kelnick we've seen over the last couple months, rather than the first couple months, that's still a good player, but it's not a great player. If Cal Raleigh is what he is now, instead of what he was at the end of last season, that's a decent player, but it's not a good player. You see where I'm going with all. Of this. Oh yeah. Like if all of these guys don't hit this 75th percentile outcome, the Mariners are in real, real trouble. Yeah, and 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 the pitching can still be dynamite, and that's still the case because because you need to score runs in baseball, and they don't have the framework to do it. Yeah, so and it people doesn't... can, yeah, people can shit on Jerry Depoto all they want for not being more active in the free agent market. They should shit more on the player development at this point because, it, like like we said, it's twenty six guys top to bottom that need to get well, thirteen. The pitching has been fantastic, or good, good enough to make the good playoffs. Enough. It's thirteen yeah. guys. Yeah, it's thirteen guys that need to get better. Yeah, player development and and you know, like you said, the like the the this team is not a Trey Turner away or like the, one of these massive signings away. And even if you do the massive signings, like look what the Rangers did with 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 Semyon and Seager, like they still had those guys were tr- either hurt or trash for most of last year, and like they got there eventually. But the clock is really like the, there is this isn't just a one thing away. And and I I think yeah. everybody here no nobody is like yeah. AJ Pollock and Colton Wong, those were those were exquisite signings and, and they did all that they could possibly could have. No, we were all disappointed with that. It's just we all fa- like you and I just faced reality of just like, yeah, this isn't the, the most free spending organization and we have to live with that. And we're seeing a little bit of, of reaping what we saw with that. But also this team just can't it clearly has something that is not working with the hitting side of things. And- and, and to go to the Rangers, like the Rangers are going to crap out in a couple of years. Everybody knows that. But why are the Rangers good this year? Is it just because of Marcus Simeon and Jacob deGrom and John Gray and Andrew Heaney and well, all these? Def- definitely not leaders? one of those guys. Yeah, well, of course. But it, it, it's not because just of those guys. It's because they've gotten production out of a guy like Josh Lowe. Uh, or Nathaniel Lowe, I mean, sorry. And they've gotten better production out of Adolis Garcia. And they've got this young kid, Josh Young. And they've got, you know, th- this group that's coming through and actually developing well. It's not just because, oh, they went out and made a splash in the market. So what I'm trying to get at here is the Mariners are in trouble, not because they did not spend in the offseason. Sure, would it have tapered over a couple of the problems? Probably. And would we be maybe a couple games over 500? Probably. But it's the the underlying issue here is that the young core has by and large not lived up to expectations. Yep. Well said. Let's take a quick break yeah. and then and then we will uh, get to close this day out. 
All right, we're back podcasting again, which means it's time to hear about our friends at Elm Coffee Roasters. If I told you a type of coffee blew the minds of professional coffee people, would you be interested in learning more about it? Of course you would. You were a curious little listener. That coffee is Elm's new Colombia, Johan Vergara. I have not had the pleasure of tasting this coffee yet, but this description is straight from Elm's Instagram caption at Elm Coffee Roasters about the new blend. <clears throat> This 100% pink bourbon lot is probably going to be the best coffee we serve this year, full stop. With a highly drinkable cup, profile of Starburst, candy, flowers, and ginger, this blew our minds at the cupping table. Pink bourbon, Starburst candy, blew our minds. I am sold. Everything I've ever had at Elm is fantastic, so hearing that this is the best coffee that they've had all year is super exciting. I am going to get one myself. And even better than great coffee is great coffee at 75% of the price, which you can get with the promo code ROUGHLY at checkout at elmcoffeeroasters.com. Again, that's promo code ROUGHLY at checkout elmcoffeeroasters.com. Enjoy your delicious coffee. Back to the show. All right, back here. Um, we're done talking about the 2023 Seattle Mariners uh, for this. We're going to talk about us being 30-year-olds and Phil, you have been spiritually eligible for social security since I've, I've known you. So I don't think, <laughs> I don't think, I don't think being 30 uh, really affected you that much if I had to guess. No, you know, it was just kind of, I had a nice day though. You know, I went out to dinner and got to see my mom and brother and it was, and I got probably the best gift. Well, actually I didn't get your gift until a couple of days <laughs> later, but um, yeah, I had a nice day and, and then I went to work and it was a good day, but I, it wasn't, there was not a lot of fanfare about it. Yeah. Not a ton of fanfare on my end either. We were in Boston for a wedding and, uh, and went to my favorite oyster place in the world. It's Island Creek oysters in Duxbury, Massachusetts. Beautiful spot was uh, lucky to be there with some friends on that day. So that was great. Uh, but so we each got each other gifts and do you want to do yours to mine first or mine? Yeah, to yours? Cause I think that's the sadder story. It's definitely. Yeah. So, uh, I run a, right. Uh, I don't know. I, I bake. That's my hobby. And I have an Instagram account. Uh, yeah, but you run an Instagram account for yeah, it. And I, I do. Okay. I'm, I like to think I'm pretty good at it. It's fun to, to have a hobby that people can check in on, um, and bake cool stuff on. So at void bakes, if you want to follow it. And Phil and his lovely wife, or soon-to-be wife, but I know Anya is anti-fiancé and the idea of not anti-fiancé, but anti-the label of fiancé. So for all yes. intents and purposes, you guys are married. Yes. You guys got me these things that I've I've seen I've seen <laughs> renderings of, which yeah, were... Yeah, <laughs> you have never seen the real thing. I've never seen the real thing. You got me these nice Boyd Bakes uh, baking apparel, or what, what was it? Was it an apron? It was. I got that there was an apron. There was a um, a nice pie tin, like mm. a pie chafing dish type of deal. Mm -hmm. And then the creme de la creme, the the coolest one and the most expensive piece was wow. this awesome, um, like engraved that said Boyd Bakes, and it had your Twitter handle or your Instagram handle on it, and it was like this beautiful um, cake, like cake case. Yes, exactly. Yes. Uh, Chirovsky crystal. It was worth tens of thousands of dollars. No, it was, uh, yeah. So it was good stuff. And the reason I never saw them is because you had ordered them to, to my house. We were away in Boston this weekend, as I mentioned, 
And so they came a day early. It sounds like they're supposed to come Saturday. Yes. And they we came gonna, one day early. Mm-hmm. We were supposed. We have a cat sitter who was going to come on Saturday and would have been able to take that package into our house. We live in Philadelphia, and uh, so instead of that, it came a day early. So we had arranged for our neighbor, um, Abby's old, my wife's old coworker, to come by the house and uh, bring that package in because we knew it got there early. And as she is on her way over to our house, and literally she lives four blocks away. Uh, we turn on our, our camera of our front door and <laughs> live, not even like we saw the recording of it live, somebody steals the package and walks yeah. off with it. And it was, it was pretty gutting. Um, and I, at the time didn't know it was in the package. Abby told me about it afterwards and showed me that. So I was like kind of dealing with, uh, uh, Schrodinger's cat situation. Yeah. Um, like you never had it. I guess it would have been different if you had had it and you used it and you really liked it and all of that. And then it got stolen from you. But I guess you never had it in the first place. So you don't really know what you're missing. But yeah. still. Yeah, yeah it, it, it it fucking sucked. So, yeah, that was a, a huge bummer, especially because you had called it and you had said like you were like, oh, yeah, it came. And we we're like, well, we're not home. And you're like, well, what if someone steals it? And then. Yeah, because I know Philly. I, know, I mean, I don't know Philly, but like I've heard of Philly. Like, yeah, it's, I, it's, I, it's a city, you know, it's like, yeah, you, you can't have packages on your front door for too long. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, we. We learned that the hard way. So thank you very much for your intention of the gift because it was incredibly sweet and that would have been very cool. And fuck you, whoever stole that, because that's a bummer. Yeah, that was a blow. That was a blow. So let's flip it around. And this 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 gift also has an odyssey that looked like you weren't about to get it. So I guess there is some justice to this. So yeah. um, for Phil's birthday, I had a lot going on and I, it also just snuck up on me. It's June seventh or June sixth, and uh, and I, I want, your birthday's the seventh, but it is June sixth. Oh, yeah. What I'm what I'm thinking about this, so I go on Cameo and look to see who is available uh, for a cameo, and I type in Mariners on Cameo, and there's uh, Ryan Roland Smith. There's um, I, I even looked at Brett Boone. That was an option. There's Mike Cameron. Oh, Brett Boone would have been good. Brett Boone, Boone would have been, been a good, good one. Yeah, yeah. And, and that, but not have, as good. Not as good as as and, and so. <laughs> I don't think he popped up when I typed in Mariners, but I was like, hmm, let's, let's get, oh, no, it wasn't, sorry, it wasn't Brett Boone. It was Dave Sims. And I was like, oh, that, that'd be a pretty good one. Um, but I was like, I think I can do better. And I type in Eric Burns, who, if you follow this podcast, you know that we have a weekly segment where we call it the Eric Burns Bike Ride of the Week because Eric Burns in 2007 quit on the Mariners basically by biking out of Safeco Field. And uh, so he has a, a, a kind of a fraught relationship with the Mariners. And so I put in the, the request and I make this thing up. Uh, my friend Phil is turning 30 and he's a huge Eric Burns fan and a Mariners fan. <laughs> who he probably saw that. It was just like, that is, that is a total lie. Yeah, and, that's uh, not true. <laughs> and so you, when you submit a cameo, you have a week to, uh, or the the, um, the celebrity has a week to make the gift possible. Or Are to, you calling to, Eric Burns a celebrity right now? <laughs> His price tag dictates that he's a celebrity. I'll tell you that. Uh, and so he has a week to get the video done and a week goes by nothing. And so I was pretty bummed and Phil didn't know at this point. So I, I, I told Phil, I was like, Hey, your birthday present that I promised it was this and it didn't show up. And that's that point where we're like, Oh, fuck Eric Burns. And so I, I, I Instagram messaged Eric Burns just off, off the chance that he could, you know, see it at that point. And I, I messaged him. And saying like, hey, man, I I submitted a thing for my friend and let's see what Eric Burns said. He said, fuck, dude. (laughs) (laughs) 
I never checked Cameo. I deleted the app. Let me see what I can do. That was at 7.47 p.m. on June 13th. Um, and I reopened the Cameo request. And no joke, 15 minutes later, I, we had this Cameo from Eric Burns. And so I'm going to play it right now for Phil and I. And we're going to watch it again. And then I'll also include it in the... Uh, the so yeah, go ahead. But I'll include you, it, everyone, so everything everyone can see it. Can you pause it at certain points so we can discuss? Yeah, although right now I can't figure it out. Oh, oh, share my screen. Okay, um, share sound. Let's see. Hold on. So yeah, you tell me when to pause it as we go through okay. this. But I'm here. I am playing the, the Eric Burns cameo, and. So audio is not going to do it a lot of justice because literally I'm I'm sharing my screen right now. Eric Burns' face as this cameo starts. He's <laughs> Pit Viper sunglasses, uh, Savannah Bananas beanie, and a cut-up hoodie. Um, looking lime green, like neon lime green. Neon lime green, looking ragged as hell in in his house. So here here is the the beginning of the cameo. By the way, he has a nice house. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you yeah. don't play that many years in the banks without getting some coins. So here, here it goes. Yo, Phil, Eric Burns here. What's up, dude? Let's pause it right there. Yo, yo, Phil, yeah. Eric Burns here. Uh, it just the perfect energy to start this video. Yeah, I, and it looks like he has something in his mouth too when he's talking. Quite possibly, a lot of chewing tobacco. <laughs> just wanted to wish you a very happy thirtieth birthday. Your boy Brandon reached out and pause it. Okay. So he has AirPods in right now. Yes. And they're not even the good AirPods. He has the <laughs> shitty version. <room. laughs> he got these at Target because he's lost the, the AirPods his wife has bought him 16 times. Is Eric Burns married? Unclear. I know he has a kid. Okay. Well, apparently he thought that you'd enjoy a message from me. So whether you do or not, I don't really give a fuck. <laughs> okay, pause. <laughs> got pause there. What the fuck? <laughs> what kind of cameo is this? Well, I think this is where the 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 Mariners fan thing in in it comes of like he probably thinks this is some joke that like yes. no way is there a Mariners fan who wants a cameo from me. And so like, like I'm going to I'm going to pretend that you want this, but I kind of know that you might not. He, yeah, so he's thinking right now. Eric Burns is thinking, "Okay, this guy's a Mariners fan. I fucking sucked when I was with the Mariners. They're making fun <laughs> of me." So he's already on the defensive. And he's about to elaborate on on that very shortly here. So Eric Burns walks out to his uh, his porch to continue here. Because here I am, and there you are. <laughs> okay, so this is another visual one. He's showing off his amazing house when he says, "Here I am, and there you are," which is basically like, okay, even if this is a joke, I'm rich. You're you're the one paying me for a cameo right now. Yeah, and he like looks down. Okay, so he's on it. This is visual, and again, you're gonna have, if you're not watching this, you're, we're gonna have to get, link it. Yeah, we'll we'll, he, we'll tweet we'll tweet this out. Okay, so he tilts the camera, uh, his cell phone, to make it look like here I am and I'm high, and then he tilts his camera to be like there you are down there, like yes. I am above you. So when he says here I am and there you are, he is gesturing that I am below him. <laughs> So okay, <laughs> yeah. So so he so the it starts off a little hostile in that way, but tongue in cheek, and, and the rest the rest of it is a smooth ride home. It's Seattle Mariners fan. I get it. I didn't have the best stint in Seattle. <laughs> <laughs> Pause right there, because he is underselling here. He had the worst stint in Seattle. 
Although, if you want to look back upon it, I did have three hits. Pause. <laughs> okay, this is the best part of the whole thing to me. He says, and this is his defense. Although, if you want to look back on it, I did have three hits. Like, that is something to be proud. Three base <laughs> hits. None of them even extra base hits. I had three singles with, he, my, with the Mariners. So, he's he shared with us the numerator. Here comes the denominator. Never mind the fact there was 30-some at bat. <laughs> <laughs> three, three and 30 something at bats. So clear, he knows this. Like, again, there was not a lot of time from that fuck dude Instagram message <laughs> back to this. So he didn't have to look up his baseball reference page. But it was a great time, a great city, good people. Uh, what was the name of that steakhouse? Okay, so this, uh, is a key, this is a key point in here because, yeah. Phil, your family does not run a steakhouse, but there is a non-zero chance at this point he's about to say your restaurant. Yes. And I was, like, so excited. I thought maybe you had, like, let him know that, yeah. like, hey, he runs this restaurant and maybe he had been there with the Mariners. Because, you know, we do get a fair amount of Mariners traffic in the restaurants. We get Nori. I, I mean, this guy was, like, a regular. Nori Aoki was a regular at the restaurant. You know, James Paxton would come in from time to time. We get, we get a fair amount of Mariners players and front office and just personnel in general. So I really thought he was going to drop the El Terrazzo here. Instead, he goes. So, Gaucho. Fuck, that place was good. So, <laughs> <laughs> El Gaucho, man. El Gaucho. Not even that, that good of a good. steakhouse. I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like souped up Outback, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, that was amazing. Anyhow, man. Uh, hope your birthday is a good one. And another. Can you pause here? Yep. So Eric Burns in the again, this is a visual thing, but he is just pacing around his compound right now. Like his house is beautiful, it's gorgeous, but he is just absolutely like losing it, pacing around. He's went outside, he's back inside, he's back outside, he's back inside now. And there's just random shit in his house. There was an Orioles hat hanging off a TV. There was like a chicken costume over there. Like it, it appears that Eric Burns lives in a frat house. Yes. Your M's looked decent this year. <laughs> he obviously doesn't watch the Mariners. If well, he says this, they this look was season. this was June seventh, and so or yeah. uh, June thirteenth, and so there there might have been like a two game win streak in there. Um, but yeah, he would not be saying that right now. We got to get J Rod going, and if that happens, it's on. So if J Rod gets going, it's on. According to Eric Burns, I, I thank you, Eric. I agree somewhat. All the best. Very very happy birthday. And let me show you something though before I. Okay, so he has. This is the coup de gras of, of this video. He is. He's. He's. He's promised to show us something, um, and so it's like, oh, what could this possibly be? Bail out of here. This jacket, like, just next level, man. Okay, so he's he's promising a next level jacket, and there's a there's a another tie into this. I mean, if you're an M's fan, you got to be able to appreciate this. <laughs> and Super I nice. gotta say, this yeah. is this is quite the underwhelming jacket. Do you do you think so? I actually like it. I mean, it's nice, but I was expecting nice. like like the the craziest starter jacket you've Wait, ever seen. But also, I wanted to bring your attention to this. Do you see how he stores his jackets? <laughs> it seems like he has robbed a coat rack off of or like yeah. A, a... <laughs> I mean, this guy is like a multimillionaire. He's showing us around his house this whole time. How beautiful this house is. He says, "I'm up here, you're down there," and then he stores his jackets like we do on the porch of a frat house. What are you doing, Eric? Like it's like it's the uh, the the rack outside of a changing room. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> Once an M, always an M. 
M's for life. Phil! One more thing for you, buddy. See ya! <laughs> so <laughs> goddamn beautiful. So that was Eric. That was Eric Burns, man. Um, I it it exceeded the fact that it came late, the fact that it came with a nice Instagram message, and the fact that it was that was I mean, it was absolutely a perfect thing that that I that did come unlike or you know, your yours came too, but didn't get stolen from us. Yes, it did. In fact, this was I think this is both of our presents, really, because you got to experience <laughs> it. Maybe that was Eric Burns that stole it, and he was just yeah. like, no, 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 that was for both of you guys. Uh, well, well uh, regardless, we will be renaming that segment because Eric Burns is a hero to us now, and uh, we'll take any suggestions that you have for that. I mean, I thought of the um, the Orlando gas station road trip of the week for, for Ken Griffey Jr.'s retirement uh, ceremony oh. when he called from an Orlando gas station to say that he was done playing for the Mariners. That, that could be one, but... Uh, Griffey has a lot more equity in the franchise, of course, than Eric Burns does. So I don't know. We we might be shopping for a new new segment at the end of the Yeah, of please, uh, listeners, we would like to hear what your thoughts are. Something really bad or just funny. Something that encapsulates the the kind of the attitude of being a Seattle Mariners fan, which is, this is so bad, this is hilarious. Is it the Dancing Grounds crew of the week? Could be. It might be the leader in the clubhouse right now, but you can probably be yeah. it. This this is a, a specific charge for for at I bash my bros Peter Steely Dan on Twitter. This you were made for this. Yes. <laughs> Quit your job and just focus on on providing this segment for us, um, Peter. Is that is his name, Peter? I don't know. I, I his Twitter is all under like wraps. I don't think we know his real name. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in a fantasy league with him though, so I think I do know his his real name. But uh, we'll, we'll we'll not dox him on on our our podcast here. Uh, do you have a hydro for this week or month? No, I don't. And I've honestly thought about it for a while. There's <laughs> nope. nothing gaming about Mariner baseball right now, and it's really sad. Like, I I texted you this the other day. Like, we have taken a little bit of a break because of circumstances that have come up in not just my life. You've had some things go on in your life too that we haven't been able to get on our regular podcasting schedule but the mariners have been a mirror image of like the chaos in both my and your lives and i just wish baseball is supposed to provide an escape and here we are just like bitching about the mariners when we both have things in our lives that need more attention than them but here we are yeah here we are uh, i have one good thing to end this out and it, it, it i think it's a reliever so that works Andres okay. Munoz, he is not allowed yes. to hit since coming back and has looked unbelievable, striking up 58% of the batters he's seen. So the problem is, is that we can't seem to get to Andres Munoz. And that's 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 the travesty here because... Uh, he's probably God. going to the car. <laughs> shut, shut up. <laughs> shut up. That would hurt so bad. Oh, God. Um, but yeah, not off the table. So with that, um, <laughs> enjoy the, 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 the Yankee game, which is just first pitch has just started let's see if we're already down runs are we scores uh oh m's up one nothing hey whoa look at that uh, okay who, who contributed who contributed so far yeah. i bet Julio the home run uh, oscar hernandez single to center he heard that we weren't about his exp- extension and he wants his money Okay, well, interesting. Who's got hits so far? Julio! Julio got a nice base knock. Okay, good for you. Julio hitting cleanup. Huh. 
look at that funky okay all right folks we might have we might have gone on to something here but uh Thanks for your patience with uh, waiting for us while we came back on the airwaves, hoping to have this be much more regular as we go through the season. We can't pr- promise that it's going to be any more positive. That's completely up to the Mariners. So blame them if we continue to be Debbie Downers. And uh, yeah, thanks for coming on, Phil. I appreciate it. I'll talk to you next week and we will do this weekly. You heard it here. All right. See you, everybody. All right.